You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Marshall Hooper, who's the Director of People and Culture at Bullfrog Spas. Marshall, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you today, Garrett? Great. It's so great to have you. It's it's great being able to, you and I just spent 30 minutes catching up and getting to know each other before we jumped on here. I feel like, you know, we, we, we go way back now. <laughs> yeah, I hope that we can, uh, I tend to get rolling once you talk about something I'm passionate about. So hopefully we can keep it under your, your time limit. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to really jump into this episode. I think it's going to be great. But before we do, give our listeners a little bit of context of your career background and then also what Bullfrog Spas does. Well, I think the reoccurring theme is I've listened to other episodes. Anybody you interview kind of fell into HR. So I guess I'll, I'll uh, add to that. So I worked at a um, manufacturing a facility that was just tremendous in the way that they dealt with their people. Every every time that they could, they did what's best for their people. I mean, their their mission statement is to improve lives. And um, I went there primarily at first just because I knew that they paid tuition reimbursement. So I started on graveyard and started going to school. And it didn't take long before I realized I wanted to change change career paths and find something that I could stay there. And I, and as I thought about that, I thought, what is it I love about this place? And it was what they offered and how they took care of their, their employees. And so I, I went into the route of HR. So I, uh, I finished my, my degree in behavioral science and then moved on to, uh, HR. So I got a master's in, in human resource development and luckily was able to stay there shortly after that in a, in a business partner role. So, um, handled a lot of the staffing on the manufacturing sides, got involved in some compensation and, and got some real good experience for about three or four years, a lot of training experience as well. And, and um, anyway, that led me to an organization in, in Charlotte, North Carolina for about three years. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be out of the humidity and, and back in, in Utah. And, and now I'm at, at Bullfrog Spas, which um which is a pretty cool place to work. If you, I've always said, if you're going to work in manufacturing, you might as well build a cool product. Um, so we make hot tubs. Uh, there's not a much cooler product to be able to tell people that you build uh, every single day. So um, especially recently, right? Everyone, everyone's wanting the hot tub on their back porch in the last 18 months, right? Well, you know, everybody they stopped taking vacation. Um, a lot of them started working from home and and started saying, how how can we make home more of a vacation apparently. And they looked out their back window and envisioned a hot tub. So we've, we've got thousands on order. We're having um, a tremendous year and last year and, and just continue to grow. Awesome. One of the silver linings of COVID is businesses like hot tubs that can, can benefit from it, huh? Absolutely. Well, awesome. That's so great. And that's a great context and background. One of the things I think is really interesting about your background is, you know, you, you talked about, you joined this company and you just loved working there. And it was kind of an under the radar company in the oil and gas industry, something that, you know, people wouldn't naturally think as, 
you know, attractive or, uh, or the place you want to yeah. seek out to work. But what's fascinating to, to that about, or to me about that is that you loved it so much that you just knew you wanted to stay there. And so you found the right role and continued to study and add additional <laughs> degrees so that you could find the right role there to continue to help that culture. And I think that plays in perfectly to our topic today. Um, you and I talked about um, what should we talk about today? And you, you talked about this idea of developing a culture of excellence. And so before we really jump into the meat of it, cause I think you have, you've experienced this throughout your career. And I'm really excited to hear about some of these experiences, but before we do that, just to kind of help set the stage, I think that culture can be one of those terms that can be really vague. It can mean lots of different things at different companies. So Give us your definition of culture. So we're all on the same page about what we're talking about here today. Yeah. Culture is probably in the top five buzzwords in the last five or six years. Right. Um, There's a quote by Aristotle. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. So culture isn't necessarily the gimmicky things that you, that you hand out um, and trying to boost your culture. Culture is the way the organization actually does business. What is it like to be an employee there day in and day out? That is what culture is to me. I love that. I think that that's, that's so awesome. And I think it's so applicable for every company right now, today, especially. I think it was pre-COVID and I think COVID's only accelerated that change that we're seeing across all companies that the way that companies win today is really by creating an exceptional employee experience or culture at their company. You got to, you got, there's the base level stuff of like, do you pay enough? Like, do you treat people with respect? Do you give them the right tools to do the job? But beyond that, how do you start to differentiate and attract and retain talent? And I think that's a challenge that so many businesses have today. And I think that it comes down to exactly what you just said. It's, it's who you are and by how you act, right? The things that you repeat uh, internally as an organization. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well then building on that, then that definition of culture, why do you think that it's so important to build a strong culture today? I mean, we just talked about some of the impacts of COVID and, 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 and everything else. Um, so tell me why it's so important in your opinion though, to build that strong culture at a company. You know, it's exactly like you just said, culture is everything today. You know, we all have access to the same data as far as compensation. Um, we every, Everybody's doing everything they can as far as providing great benefits, uh, matching one another on time off, those kinds of things. Uh, what's going to differentiate you is the culture that you have. What does it actually feel like to show up every single day? You know, it's great to have a lot of time off or to experience these one-off um, activities, maybe you have company parties, those kinds of things where you're trying to be different. But every day, I might I might forget about what we did three months ago at, at a company event. And so what does the work look like today and tomorrow? Um, you know, like I said, it's what do we repeatedly do? How do we create, uh, how do we organize ourselves to do the work that we do? So as, as HR takes on some of these new um, new names and new roles, like, you know, people and cultures. I've seen people operations. I've seen people experience, employee experience. 
Um, that's exactly, you know, we're doing that exactly because that's where the emphasis should be is on the everyday experience of the team member. What are those behaviors? What do they repeatedly do? Yeah, I think that's that's fascinating. And I think that that's a, a really interesting point of that to me. You talk about those those changing titles that we're seeing across HR, right? You see this evolution of traditional HR is turning more to focus on people, experience, and culture. And so I guess to build on that, what role do you think that HR should play within an organization when it comes to culture and building culture? Yeah, that's that's great. So um, I was actually going to follow up and, and say that that's uh, another term that you hear a lot in kind of in the HR world in the last probably 10 to 15 years is kind of gaining that seat at the table. And that's exactly how you gain that seat at the table is you move beyond the administrative, you move beyond just the, the tactical X's and O's of getting people here to work and, and um, you know, executing compensation and benefits. And you, you move into that strategic world of building the right culture that, that, is the future of HR to me is it's a culture role. Yeah. And just to build on that, I think on a previous episode we had with um, Elisa Garn, she talked about the three different types of, of HR professionals out there, you know, and she compared it to the analogy of um, you have the traffic cop, you have the city planner and you have the mayor, right? And I think the two most common ones really that kind of what you're just talking about it, um, to me, it's, it's the traffic cop who's focused on the administrative work. How do we hire? Do we get the right paperwork done? Do we get people paid? Right. And that's good. And that stuff's important, but you start to move into the city planner role, which is yeah. a lot more strategic, right? It's how do you streamline the administrative stuff. So as an HR person, you can focus on the more strategic stuff. Like how do you help your organization build a culture where people want to show up to work? They want to continue working there. Right. Uh, absolutely. And I, I love that analogy. Um, I probably listened to that episode three times um, <laughs> trying to, trying to kind of wrap my head around it and really, really capture that. That's awesome. So I know though, that there are especially small business HR people out there who are probably listening to this. They might be the solo HR person. Maybe they have just a small team and they're thinking, number one, I don't have time for this. And number two, I don't even know where to start when it comes to building culture or shifting to the culture that you would like to build uh, from where you're culture already is today. So for those people out there who might be thinking that, where do you, where do you recommend they start? Yeah. You start by just wrapping your head around what is culture, right? So like I said, we are what we repeatedly do. We get the results that we get from the behaviors, the things that we actually do every day. And so culture realistically is the sum or the combination of all the behaviors in the organization. So the first thing is to look at, well, what results are we getting today and how are they different from where we want to be? You know, a lot of times when I talk about culture, I refer to, I don't know if there's a specific name for it. I have no idea who came up with it, but it's the culture pyramid that I'm, I'm sure most of us have seen from the likes of Edgar Sheen or, or other, other books, other authors. Um, but just picture a, a triangle or a pyramid and up at the top, and, and it's divided into four levels. And up at the top, we have the word results. Um, 
That's the results that we get. It's what we can see, almost like an iceberg. You can just see the tip. Um, and sometimes we call these artifacts. It's what you can actually see. When, you, when we look at an anthropologist that's studying ancient cultures, they have artifacts to go off of. That's it. And they, they draw conclusions based on those artifacts. Well, in, in business, the results that we get are those artifacts. And those artifacts, those results, they come from the behaviors of, of the team members that we have in our organization. Now, why do people behave the way that they do? It's typically that comes from our, our beliefs. We believe that behaving that way is going to get us certain results. So why now you have to go a, a, another level and, and I'm defining these levels of this pyramid. The next level below that is why do we believe what we believe? It's because we've had certain experiences. So as we look at how do we start building this this culture we need to say well how do we how do we get the right experiences another way to look at this if we look at an individual that let's say they're in um they're in fantastic physical shape that's the artifact that's what you can see it's the result uh now how did they get there there's certain behaviors maybe they eat really healthy maybe they eat and exercise maybe they just exercise but there's going to be behaviors that are leading to that result that we can see of being in tremendous physical shape. Now, why do they behave that way? They probably believe a certain way. They believe they'll live longer or they'll have more energy. They'll have better health in general, or they'll just feel better. Uh, and typically they believe that because they've had certain experiences, you know, maybe diving on the, um, uh, on the snacks and goodies at Christmas time made them not feel, feel so good. So they, they know that eating healthy. So that from that experience, right. You can't, it, they've, they know that if they just do Netflix and chill, that they don't feel the same way. So they they have these experiences that lead them to believe the way that they believe, which drives those behaviors. So, you know, as an organization, now we have to apply this model to an organization. We say, how do we get the results that we want? Um, they're coming from our behaviors. So why are they behaving the way that they the way that they do? They it's because they've had certain experiences. So as we try to alter the results that we get as an organization, we don't start by attacking behaviors because behaviors are grounded in these beliefs. We need to start kind of at the experience level, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example from very early in my career when I was in manufacturing. And um, this facility was next to um, several cornfields. And one day the, the owner, the farmer, whatever you, you wanna call him, uh, comes into the facility and he, he has in his hands, you know, a couple dozen rusty parts. And he says, will you please stop throwing out your scrap in my fields? And obviously, you know, the leaders of the company are saying, we're not, we're not throwing any, any scrap into your field and he's got it in his hands. Well, you know, you do some digging and you find out that some folks on the, on the night shift, when they had scrap parts, they would go, throw them over the fence into the cornfield rather than, you know, kind of taking ownership for it. So you have to ask yourself the, the you know, we walk ourselves through this uh, behavior or culture pyramid and the artifact was scrap parts in a cornfield. The behavior was obviously the, the night shift folks throwing them over the fence. So why did they do it? What did they believe? Maybe they believed that they'd get in trouble. Maybe they believed they'd get fired. I, I don't know, but you have to say, 
what experiences that they've had. They probably became came from uh, experiences they've had, whether it was there or at another place. But they believed that they would get in trouble and get fired if they if it was brought to anyone's attention that they had created these scrap parts. So it led to this behavior, right? <laughs> so as an organization, to get different behaviors. Um, where where are we going to start to shift that culture? We can't we can't focus on behavior. We would start at experiences. So how do we create the right experience uh, that's going to lead to the right behaviors and beliefs, and ultimately the the results that we're looking for? I love that framework, and those are just such awesome examples. So just to recap, you think of the pyramid. The top of the pyramid is the results that you want to get. The next layer down is then the actions, right, that you have to take. Below that are the beliefs that someone have, and then at the bottom are those experiences that they're having. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of this um, uh, comes from a book called Change the Culture, Change the Game. And, And the whole book actually is kind of walking you through this process and and helping you understand how this how this all works but that's exactly what what you do you got to start with building the right experiences yeah and so two things really jump out to me from that um i mean there's a lot of things that you could learn from that framework and pull from it but you know when you get to the bottom of that pyramid around beliefs and around experiences i think from a belief standpoint one of the things that lots of companies talk about but few do really well is define their vision mission and their core values of their company and a lot of times those beliefs of the company are fluffy and they're just something to put on the wall. And I think the companies that can build a strong culture, that's not the case. They really believe that this is how we see the world. And these really are our core values. It's true inherent in our average, you know, experience across people at the company. And they use that to help guide their hiring processes and everything else, that belief system so that they can create those experiences as a company that lead to ultimately that right uh, result that they want to accomplish. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at my own experience uh, that I shared at the beginning of this episode, right? I, I went into this manufacturing facility because they offered tuition reimbursement. I could work at night and go to school during the day. And it was once I got in there and experienced what it was like to work there, that changed my entire career. My entire career changed because of starting at that organization. Yeah, that's so that's so fascinating. And I love hearing about that, too, because uh, what what that tells me also is. Um, again, small company in the oil and gas industry. Now you're working for, you know, a, a spa manufacturer. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter how big of a company, any company can apply this framework and create a really strong culture where they can attract the right talent and retain that talent for, for the long term, Right. Yes. Any, anybody can do it. it. It comes down to doing it. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. That's where it gets, gets hard is how do you focus on it? How do you make sure that you can get buy-in as a complete organization um, to really make it happen? Right. Yeah. The, you know, the Covey group often refers refers to the whirlwind. Um, It it requires the ability to kind of get outside of the whirlwind a little bit 
because there's there's enough to keep us busy without trying to focus on this. But what I have seen in my career is the the more that we focus on these things, the whirlwind diminishes a little bit, or at least it changes. It's not as stressful. Um, the things that you that you do, the kind of that uh, the things that are never going to go away, especially in in an HR world, um, are much more pleasant when you have this type of culture. Yeah. I think that that makes total sense. I want to walk through another example. One of the things that you and I talked about before we jumped on here and started recording that I thought was really interesting that you mentioned is the low retention rate that um, your team has experienced, right? Um, it's You've done a great job compared to you know industry average in retaining talent there. And so when we think about that framework again of like the business result that so many businesses want, every business wants is how do you retain talent? It's what every company's thinking about today. I think especially small local businesses are thinking about that today. So if that's the result that you've been able to achieve, walk back for us some examples of the other parts of the pyramid of you know, actions, beliefs, and experiences of things that you tried to do there um, at Bullfrog so that you could get that tangible business result. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things in a manufacturing world specifically is it's really easy for your team members to form a belief that what's important to the organization is the number. Um, In our case, how many hot tubs are we making and that nothing else matters. And we've really put a lot of effort into making sure that they understand that there's a lot of things that are important, not just how many spas we build or, or ship. Uh, that's the first thing that we had to focus on in, in kind of reshaping this, this culture that we have is helping change that belief that the number the number of spas is what's important because there, there's a lot more. And so we, we've had to look at, okay, how do we create an experience that's going to change that belief? So we've done some things like creating much better facility. Uh, we're in a brand new facility right now. We have a, we have a fitness room. We have uh, an updated cafeteria, better break, uh, be- better areas to go take a break. Um, so the, the physical environment that they're in is much better. Uh, we also kind of revamped a, a bonus system. So the way that we do compensation for our manufacturing folks isn't solely focused on, uh, you know, on the number, on the number of spas built. There's the, there's quality to it and, and some other things that have helped shape that. Uh, we also have taken a lot of focus on bringing kind of that connection to the end customer uh, it's really easy when you're producing, you know, a, a hundred hot tubs in a day to forget that in a couple of days, this is going to be in somebody's backyard and they're going to be creating a wonderful experience with their family and, and memories for years to come. Uh, it's really easy to forget that. And so we, we have throughout our facility, we have these giant posters that have pictures of people using our product with, you know, kind of a quote below it, whether we got it off of a Google review or just feedback through our, through our dealer partners. But you know, we want to help our employees, our team members understand that they're creating um, a wonderful experience. Our, our mission statement is to create peaceful lives. And we don't ever want our team members to forget what they're producing and, and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I think that that's, um, that's so important. And one of the things I really like about that, too, is I think a lot of times um, for people who are kind of thrust into an HR career, maybe they're that accidental HR person, 
maybe they're alone, maybe they're earlier in their career, sometimes don't know where to start. And they start with how do we increase pay or how do we put up these posters around the office? Right. But what I really like about what you're talking about is you can see how the experiences and the beliefs and the actions all lead to that desired result. You can see how all these things are connected. And so when you really understand that framework and you can think through it, you know, strategically about each of those steps, it's, it's not just, let's try this one thing. Let's, let's give people a perk um, so that they want to stay here or let's pay them more or whatever it is. You, you understand how all of those things are interconnected to the result that you really want. Right. Yeah. And you, you talked about kind of being strategic about it. Um, we, we have to be, when we talk about strategy and being strategic, we're talking about how we actually do the work. How do we design the work that we do? And we, we design processes, we design systems, um, processes utilize tools. So a lot of times we, we call these processes tools that we use to get the job done. You know, you're, you're using tools right now to accomplish recording this, this podcast and you'll use other tools to edit it and, and make me sound even better. Right. And those are tools. Matthew, Matthew McConaughey, right. Yeah, That's who that, you want to sound like. That was the request. So if okay. you can, we'll see you what know, we can do. If, if your listeners are confused, it's, it's not really <laughs> fancy McConaughey, but those are, those are tools that you use that are all part of a system. And your system is to deliver an episode every week. Um, that is going to deliver a product that, that your listeners want to listen to. And we, you know, there's, there's uh, an organization called the, the Shingo Institute. I don't know if you've ever heard of them based out of Utah state university, and they're really focused on kind of this world of continuous improvement. So it's, it, you know, typically the organizations that are involved with, with these guys are manufacturing, but they're getting into medical and some other things, but they have what they call the Shingo model. And we're really trying to align to this Shingo model. And it looks at results as well. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit different model that says that results come from the tools that we use. And the tools that we use are just a collection or a collection of tools make up a system. So what we should be doing is focusing on what systems we're creating. But in the Shingo model, there's three insights that they, they call them three insights. And they're just kind of three things we need to start out with. We have to fundamentally believe these three things. Number one is ideal results require ideal behavior. So if we think about that for a second, you know, Einstein said his definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, if we want ideal results as an organization, we need ideal behavior. So first and foremost, we have to define what is that ideal behavior? Because if we don't know what that ideal behavior is, we, we're not going to get ideal results. Number two is that principles inform ideal behavior. This goes back to what you were saying earlier uh, about an organization defining their mission statement, defining their core principles. Um, that's what informs the ideal behavior. So do we, you know, the results that we're getting, do they align with who we think we are, who we're trying to be at the core? And then number three, the third insight is that purpose and systems drive behavior. So purpose, again, coming from mission statement. Our purpose is to create peaceful lives, for example. So we have to build the right systems that are going to drive the right behavior. Um, so we look at, we look at our core principles. 
what do we want to accomplish? And do, do these principles align? Are they going to drive the right behaviors? As leaders, that is what our job should be. We should be creating the right systems that drive these principles through our organization. If these principles exist in our organization, we're going to get ideal behaviors and ideal results. And that becomes your culture, right? Your, your culture becomes a culture of excellence when you are getting ideal results. But we're only going to get it if we have ideal behaviors, which stems from knowing our purpose and having the right core principles. And what I, what I love about the shingle model is it, it really forces you to get down to the behavior level. So, for, for example, one of our core principles is to respect every individual. Every organization probably claims that they respect every individual. But when we get down to what behaviors would actually exist in an organization and start to look at those and see if we observe those, we might start to question whether or not we really respect every individual. Respecting every individual means that we probably would have a system around people development, for example. That, that system would ensure that every team member has a development plan that that development plan isn't just collecting dust on a shelf or, or in a three ring binder, but it actually is reviewed. It's discussed. There's goals that exist and they're being achieved. It means that every employee, every new hire, sorry, goes through a rigorous onboarding and orientation process. You know, when we start to look at those behaviors and we go, Oh, we might have some gaps between who we think we are, where we, what we want to be, which is an organization that respects every individual and the behaviors that actually exist in our, in our organization. I love, love that framework and love that example. I think that that, uh, makes total sense. And I, and I love how you, you talked about how that framework is really focused on getting down to that behavioral level. I think that's the gap that often is missing, right? We talk about, and that, and that's often why going back to what we, we talked about before, it's often why those core values, like fall short. They're not believed internally or externally at the company. It's because they don't make it all the way down to that behavioral level. We don't think deep enough about, well, what are the behaviors that are either reinforcing or preventing people from believing that this is true, making this true, right? Yeah. And if we look and we say, if, if we look at the way our people are behaving and we, and we know that it's not ideal, then we have to ask ourselves, what is it about our current system that is allowing that behavior to, to exist in our organization. And, and I don't mean to sound like, how did we let this happen? How did we, yeah. how are we allowing this? But I'll, I'll give you an example. In a manufacturing world, you know, when you're producing things, the, the production floor can get pretty dirty, the production atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so when you walk through the facility and you go, man, it's really dirty in here, you ask yourself, well, what is the system? What is the system to maintain our facility in top condition and and to give us a winning environment? Um, and when you look, one, is there a system? But you need to look at your system and say, what do we need to change to get the ideal? Because, you know, there, there's, uh, I don't know if you've heard of w, w. Edwards Deming. He was a quality guru in the 80s, 70s and 80s. And he said every organization is perfectly designed to get the results that they have today. And that's because we have designed the work to be done the way that we do it today through the systems that we have. So when we don't see ideal results and ideal behaviors, 
we need to look at our systems. Yeah. And I, I really like that too. And as you're thinking about that, I, I think, you know, systems can be either the carrot or the stick. And I think sometimes we over-index on the stick. What are the rules we're going to put in place to make sure that people keep their space clean? And we forget to think about the carrot. Well, why are people doing that in the first place? What's the motivation or the culture that we're creating here that is leading to that? And can we start a little bit higher up that, that funnel and prevent some of these things from happening even without implementing a rule? Sometimes they're needed, right? Uh, that we have rules that we all follow and buy into, but um, sometimes organizations can become too rule heavy and we need to move further up and focus more on, you know, why is this happening? Not just how do we prevent it with a rule, right? Absolutely. And to go, to go a little deeper, you know, how do you connect it back to your who you, who you want to be? How do you connect yeah. it back to that mission? How do you connect it to those principles? Again, I'll, I'll connect this cleanliness thing back to respect every individual. We have multiple shifts. If I leave the workplace dirty and grimy and don't clean clean up after ourselves, are we showing respect to our fellow teammates, right? So, so you don't have to create rules around that. What you need is to align people's beliefs around respecting every individual, and you'll get the behaviors that you're looking for. If we truly yeah. believe in respect every individual, we'll get the behavior of cleaning up after ourselves and having a clean facility because we want to show respect to everyone around us. I love it, man. Marshall, this has been such an awesome thought provoking conversation. I think I could just continue going on it for, you know, hours on end here, but really appreciate you taking the time to join this episode, sharing some of your experiences and frameworks that have really helped you to develop a culture of excellence. And you, it's clear throughout this conversation that you're thinking about it strategically and you've, you've worked at many organizations that have done this well and helped to continue build an organization that's doing it well today. So again, really appreciate you joining and joining some of and sharing some of these insights and experiences, you know, uh, to kind of shift direction a little bit. One of the last questions I really like to ask all of um, our guests that we have on the show is um, really about what does it take to build a healthy business? You know, at Eddie, uh, we, one of our core beliefs is that building a healthy business is one of the most charitable things that you can do if you do it the right way. And so in your opinion, what's the quote unquote right way to build a healthy business today? Yeah, I, I love this question. And it, my, my belief is that the right way. So when you're talking, you know, again, I'm, I'm have heavy background in manufacturing and, and continuous improvement. Continuous improvement comes from continually, you're only going to improve if you continually are able to solve the problems that you have in your organization today. And so really what we need, the right behavior, one of the most ideal behaviors from, from our team members is that they're problem solvers. So when we are stressed um, and we have any kind of anxiety, our body naturally produces um, a chemical that inhibits our ability to critically think. Well, critical thinking is required to problem solve. And every single one of us is hired to solve problems, whether, whether we're in HR or we're the guy that is loading hot tubs on a truck to be shipped out. The problem is we have a finished hot tub and we have an empty truck. The, the problem to be solved is getting the hot tub onto the truck. And we want to do that, obviously, the safest and most efficient way possible. And so 
we hope that we have team members that can solve that problem, but they're not going to be able to do that if they're stressed about how much money they make. They're not going to be able to do that if they're stressed about how much their upcoming medical bill is going to be because we don't have good insurance. So as an organization, um, I, I believe that what we should strive for is to take care of our employees the best we financially can. And I understand not every organization has has money they don't know what to do with. So we have to do it as much as we financially can. But to take care of those needs and those things that our team members look for us for, they look to us for their for their compensation. They look to us for their benefits, their retirement. There's these kind of things that organizations typically provide. And if we do a good enough job of that, it's not going to be something that creates angst and anxiety and stress in that team member's life. And if they have less of that, one, I'll put a plug in for peaceful lives, their life will be more peaceful, but they will literally biologically be a better problem solver if they have less stress in their life. The better they're able to solve problems, the better your organization is going to be and you're going to be ahead of your competition. So it actually behooves you to take care of your employees. I love it. I think that's such a great answer. Um, and it makes me think of something we've talked a lot about internally, which is Maslow's hierarchy of needs applied to business and your employees, right? That Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, you know, the, the base level of that pyramid is, you know, your physiological needs and you can't, move up to other needs until those are taken care of. So when an organization really understands that and they start at the bottom of that Maslow's hierarchy and they focus on helping employees achieve those levels, eventually those employees' needs are going to raise to the level of you know, self-fulfillment and, and achieving something great for your company. You build your people and the people build your company, right? Yeah, 100%. If you take care of your people, your people will take care of you. I love it. Well, Marshall, this has been such a great conversation. If there are listeners that have follow-up questions for you or want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn is probably going to be the best way. Um, you know, great. that's we're all out there. Yeah. We will drop in um, the link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes for anyone who's interested in connecting with Marshall. But again, just want to thank you for taking the time to join today and share some of your insights. It's been an awesome conversation on culture. Hope you have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks, Garrett. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddy. Eddy is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddy, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.